Welcome to the Lead Management Mastermind Show, the only podcast where you'll learn about lead management best practices from the top lead management and sales marketing executives in the industry. Hear about the optimization, strategy, and techniques that have made each of our guests the best of the best in the lead management domain. Live from the headquarters of SDP Solutions, here's your host, Scott Payne. Hi, everyone. This is Scott Payne with SDP Solutions and the host of the Lead Management Masterminds podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today with us again. This is now our 19th episode of the podcast, and this one's going to be a little bit different. In this episode, I sit down with Ben Shore, SDP Solutions' newest principal consultant and solutions engineer as we conduct a live broadcast on LinkedIn and YouTube on July 8th, 2021. In this episode, we talk about some of the most critical issues that companies who use Velocify today are facing, and we share some of our secret ideas on how to solve for these issues. We hope you enjoy this special episode, and thanks again for tuning in. Have a great one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special, special edition of the Lead Management Masterminds podcast, except we're doing it live, and we're going to do a little bit of a different version here. We have a special guest with us today. His name is Ben Shore. He's the newest member of the SDP Solutions team. So excited to have Ben with us. Today's format is going to be a little different. We're going to call it a battle. We're going to debate different ways to do things in Velocify. We've been consulting with Velocify clients for over two years now. We've heard things over and over again from clients. We want to share those with you and talk about some of the best practices that we have and some of the creative solutions that we've come up with to solve for some problems that are out there. So, so excited to have Ben. Ben, how you doing today? Doing all good. How are you? Good. So I've got a couple of notes real quick. If you have comments, please leave them in the LinkedIn comments or the YouTube comments, wherever you're watching. Please leave them there for us to try to get to those questions at the end. We're going to go through a couple of kind of high-level topics now, and we're going to turn it over to you guys. If you guys have questions that you'd like us to address, we're going to answer them on the fly. So before I get started, Ben, let me turn it over to you real quick. Why don't you do a quick introduction for everybody? Let them know your history, please, real quick. Sure, absolutely. So on the lead management side, I started with Leads 360, for those who remember that, 14 and a half years ago. It goes back to when it was in a building where there was barbed wire on the outside. Uh, so it, it goes back quite some time. And uh, so started there, was stayed with Leads 360, Velocify, Ellie Mae, Ice, all the way through. I did, at the very beginning, I did everything, and I was like one of like 35 employees or something like that. So I did a little bit of everything, including customer service, implementations, all kinds of things, then moved on to heading up the implementations team, and then eventually more on the pre-sale solutions engineering side. But throughout, it's always been about you know customer first, that type of thing, creative solutioning, and super excited to have joined SDP Solutions just about a month and a half ago. And I appreciate you you know joining us today, number one, and jump on the show and, and doing this with us. But number two... You want to tell everyone who your favorite customer was. So back in 2011, you had somebody who came as a new client for you and you did an implementation for them. You were telling me they were your favorite client at the time or maybe still to this day. Is that right? Yeah. I try not to tell too many stories about how internally we were like, there's this administrator who could not be more of a pain. He's just constantly asking these ridiculous questions all the time over at NationStar. But eventually he turned out to be okay. Scott Payne yeah, did okay burn for himself. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. So for those who don't know, Ben was the one who taught me Velocified way back in the day and kind of shaped my career. So, so excited to have him on the team and in working with us and our clients every day. All right. We're going to jump right in. So we're going to go through a couple of topics that have come up 
a little bit over time, you know, for the last couple of months, especially as people have started to really start to hone in on their best practices and setting up the lead management, you know, back six months ago when rates were still extremely low, people are drinking from the fire hose. They weren't focused on lead optimization, lead management optimization. And so these are some of the things that we've seen over and over. We're first going to talk about priority view. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is that, you know, a client comes to us and says that, my LOs have way too many leads in their priority view. And in fact, priority view only shows 100 leads. So the 100 top 100 leads could be new leads that are really old. They just never called in the first place. Ben, I'm going to kind of turn it over to you here. What are some best strategies you found as it relates to kind of tackling this issue of the LO having way too much to do in their priority view, therefore they don't even use it because it just doesn't make sense for them? Yeah. And Scott, I think what I'm going to try to do for each of these topics is I'm going to try to kind of talk first out of my basic Velocify side of my mouth and then the more kind of creative solutioning side, because I think both are pretty important. And I think many people who are viewing this, they'll be able to relate to the first aspect for sure when they think about, well, what can I do? Some people might not know there's anything they can do. But for this one, when you find that your loan officers have too many leads in usually one or two priority rules, which as Scott said, makes it just this one big long list. The initial thing that people do is they look at it and they say, I've got a lot of old stuff in there. So let me just get rid of the old stuff. So let me just go in there and, and create a rule within the priority view that instead of just saying everything that we've tried to call once and didn't get through, let's create another part of that rule that says any lead where that call that we made to try to call once, if that was more than like a month ago, this, it's already aged out. So let's just get rid of it. Yep. Right. Just get rid of the old stuff. That's usually the basic approach that people take and don't realize that there could be kind of some more creative and much more strategic and just better ways to handle that. Maybe you want to go ahead and share your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I think that as it relates to the leads that are in there, right? You talked about leads that are over a month old that are sitting in there. You need to have strategic ways to kind of clean that up. To your point, a lead that's 30 days old, chance of that converting you know, is going to go way, way down. So what do you do? Well, you know, you could write rules that say only show these leads if they were added in the last 15 days, let's say. And you put those on top of leads that are maybe leads that are added, you know, greater than 15 days. And so the idea is that focus on the most highest converting opportunities of the 15 days. But then those who where maybe you don't, you know that the chance of converting that goes way down. Maybe at that point you say, well, I want them to show up if there's nothing else to do. So if they work through everything else, at least they'll get to them then. But I want to make sure that I focus on those that are in the last 15 days or so. There's other ways we've done this uh, as well. And this is kind of a newer thing. And it's kind of not really tricking the system, but we're just adding functionality to give the system the data that we want to help manage it day to day. And one of them is called, or what we call overdue statuses or neglected lead statuses. And what we do is we set up rules that say, if a lead is in this status for too long, maybe 24 hours, because we expect it to be called four hours later, if it's sitting there for 24 hours, Let's go ahead and change the status to another status that very clearly tells us this lead is overdue. So if I have a lead that's in contact attempt one, and I was supposed to call it two hours later, let's say 24 hours go by, they still haven't called the lead. We could automatically change the status through a special ways that we've created, change the status to contact attempt one overdue. That clearly tells everybody involved that there's an overdue lead sitting in this person's queue that they haven't called. You can then do all kinds of things. I think we'll talk a little bit more about some ideas around how do I notify a manager when this happens? Or how does a manager run reports to see their overdue leads? Or how do I put overdue leads into a Shark Tank? Rather than having multiple and multiple programs of Shark Tank programs for people to choose from, I could have one overdue Shark Tank that it consists of every overdue lead that's out there. 
What are some of the other things? We've talked a little bit about uh, like lead scoring. You want to elaborate on how lead scoring could be used in this case? Maybe not a lot of people know about lead scoring either. So maybe you need to explain that a little bit too. Yeah, the lead scoring tool is an interesting one. It's one of these, you sometimes refer to it as like a secret menu item where it's out there. You just have to ask for it to be turned on. The lead scoring to me kind of piggybacks well off of what you were talking about beforehand when you were discussing how old the lead was. And you were saying, if it's more than a certain amount of days old, then it has statistically less of a chance of closing. But we know that the propensity to close the lead, of course, is not just based off of the age of the lead, it's based off of other things also. The concept that you referred to about moving things down on a list or maybe even removing them or, or whatever you want to do with them based off of propensity to close using the, the how old the lead is, it's just the very beginning of what you can do. Yeah. When you use this concept of lead scoring, you can then take in any data point. And without the lead scoring tool, what I found after working with many, 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 many Velocify users is quite often as you dive into Velocify and realize the power of the system, you say, oh, I can create so many more rules to be more strategic. And what ends up happening is you have all of these different priority rules and each priority rule has like 20 filters in it because the administrator of Velocify says, well, I wanna make sure that we're including loan purpose as we decide the priority. But I also wanna include the state because we're better in certain states than others. But I also wanna include this and that and this and that. You end up with all these rules and it's almost impossible to manage. But when you turn it into a score, it then becomes much more manageable and you can do a whole lot with it. Yeah. And actually, we've got some comments coming in. Want to call out our buddy Michael over at BNC. You know, overdue notifications have been extremely helpful. Yeah, so seen a lot of success using that a status concept. You know, really changes the game from a number of different ways in reporting and tracking. So, Michael, thanks for the comment. Appreciate you joining in with us today. Also, a reminder for everybody else: if you have any comments, any questions, anything you'd like to add, please do so in the comments. Whether you're on YouTube or LinkedIn, would love to have that feedback. One thing I did want to bring up in is that we see a lot of companies who are trying to build their priority view around their top producers. And what do their top producers do? We've done this you know, recently with a couple of clients. Can you talk a little bit about that strategy of, are you trying to build for the top 20% or do you need to focus on the bottom 80? What's the thoughts there? Yeah, there's another long-term Velocify employee who, if he's listening, he'll know who I'm, I'm referring to, who regularly referred to your A players, your B players, and your C players. And what he would say is, your A players, like your A plus players, the really, really good ones, your top five, 10%, and they're killing it. You mostly don't want to mess with what they're doing, right? Let them do it how they're doing it, which is great. When you talk about automation, sales automation, what you're trying to do is you're trying to bring those B players and those C players up, trying to bring them up. And those are the people that you really want to be targeting in terms of understanding what would help them out trying to replicate your top 5% people's secret sauce, I'm willing to bet that each of them does it a little bit differently. And there's probably a lot of kind of art and nuance to it, which might be a little bit difficult to automate, but that's not where you're going to get your major lift anyway. You're getting your major lift from getting those Bs and Cs and moving them up to act like A's. We love it. Yep. Great. We're going to move on. Actually, I want to call out uh, our friend, William. He's been really vocal on helping us promote this. So Hey, William, thanks for joining the show. Really appreciate you joining. Just a quick comment from him on here as well. And then we also got our, our buddy, Scott Ankley, who wants to be a guest speaker. So yeah, you're definitely on the list, Scott. Can't wait to have you on. All right, so let's jump into the next topic here. So the next topic we were talking, wanted to talk a little bit about, we find a lot, especially now as people are starting to do more purchase using Velocify. And they're so used to seeing the same fields that are relevant to a refinance versus a purchase. Let's talk a little bit about how do we make sure that users have all of the data they need at their fingertips when they open the lead record? Because we've seen it before where they're jumping into a lead and there's all of these tabs they have to choose from and they have to go find the right information. And we've come up with some creative ways to do it. Let's start talking about that, Ben. What are your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, so the first thing, and again, putting my basic Velocify cap on first, right? The, the first thing that I would always recommend to my customers using Velocify is the way the tabs are provided to you, they don't have to stay that way. You can manipulate them. And usually what lenders end up doing is they'll say, okay, let me take all of the pieces of information that I know are going to be important for every type of lead, whether it's purchase versus refi, there could be other distinctions as well. And they say, anything that's going to be important across the board will be on one tab. Then I'll have a purchase tab then I'll have a refi tab and now I'll have another tab for something else. And it requires their team members to click from tab to tab. Now it segments things out, which is very, very nice, but it still makes it so that they have to kind of jump from, from screen to screen. That's kind of the out of the box way that we see that it's usually utilized. One other approach that some lenders have started using is the Velocify concept of lead types. Lead types is another secret menu type of thing, which we can kind of talk a little bit more about the pros and cons. The pros of lead types in Velocify is it allows you to have a special new drop-down menu in the upper left that you can change from, let's say, purchase to refinance. When you make that change, then certain fields automatically appear or automatically disappear within those tabs. Now, there's some tough parts to using it that we can get into if you'd really like uh, in terms of configuration, ongoing maintenance, and things of that nature. But we feel that there might be other ways to present the most relevant information for a given type of lead. Want to go ahead and talk about some of those? Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to say the word scripting, and it's going to scare everybody. Everyone's kind of turned off their listening. They're like, ah, oh, we don't do scripting. I don't want to do scripting. So there is a function in Velocify called script form view, which was designed to help give your users a script to read off of. And, you know, ultimately that's how it was built. However, we've come up with some creative ways that allow the user to have a custom lead form view, if you will. It's kind of what we're changing the name to. So it's a script form view, but it's a custom lead form view that allows us to say that if this lead meets this criteria, then we want this information to show up. A great example would be a purchase first refi. If we know that there's a lead comes in already from the lead provider that says it's a purchase lead, why do we want to show them anything related to a refinance? Or maybe it's a selection they need to choose. There's a refi, they choose that, and then it opens up a series of other items below it. We've used it for even current customer business. Let's say you have a customer you've funded a loan for in the past, and you want that lead to show up, you know, or you want the information to show up that's relevant to that customer's current loan information. We can set it up so that we're showing the loan officer right away their current payment, current balance, all of this information is right there at the fingertips rather than having to hop around to these different tabs to figure out uh, where that information is at. Anything to add on the quote unquote scripting part? Yeah, I think the dynamic part is the important part, right? Because like you said, first of all, you can think about it as simple as if it's a purchase, it's this custom lead form. If it's a refi, it's this custom lead form. But then it's also kind of those next steps, right? If you specifically say that this is a cash out, then maybe now there are other questions that we want to make sure are collected. Right now, if you sit down with the loan officer, what they're going to do is they're going to tell you that they're doing these things in their head. They're going to say, if I choose this, then I know I have to hop over to this tab and go halfway down the screen and fill this out. You can do that all with that custom form view. The other thing too, a lot of people have asked about requiring fields for users to fill out. So one of the things that for those who have used Velocifar for a while, know that you can't really set or you can, you can say that these fields are required, but it could ultimately, if you have multiple lead sources, maybe you don't have that field on some. And so it just becomes a pain for the end user. And so one of the things that you can do in this custom lead form is we can require fields for the lead to be saved. So if there is something custom that you want to make sure that this captured and required for that type of lead, you can require it, but it doesn't affect all of the other fields in the system. So it's another nice benefit there. 
Any other questions, please post them in the comments. We're having quite a few come through. We'll get to those here in just a moment. First, going to jump over into lead ranking. So we've talked a lot, right? And Ben, you agree a lot with every customer out there we've been working with has been saying, okay, now that I'm doing these new lead types or I'm trying to figure out how do I optimize this or that, how do I make sure that we're calling the best lead first? I want to be able to rank my leads in order. And right now, you know, most of the time, if you're just using a priority view, your typical or distribution program for that matter, you're using the date added, the newest lead that came in, but that may not always be the best opportunity that's currently out there. So Ben, why don't we talk a little bit about that topic in general, as far as ranking of leads and we'll talk about scoring of leads. We've talked about scoring already, but why don't you elaborate a little bit there on what we're seeing? Yeah, depending on the type of priority rules that you have set up, there's a good chance, as we talked about before, that there's going to be a lot of them that are in a given rule. And the ability to rank it by that score, that ranking, and be able to sort in that way is going to be extremely important. And I find it's not just because, yeah, you know, as a business, you want to be making the best calls at the best times. But what I've always found is in order for the priority view to be effective, loan officers have to buy in, right? And when a loan officer opens up their Velocify view and they see a list of 10 leads in a given priority rule, and they look down at the seventh one and they say, that one's the best one. I want to call that one first. What's happening is they're saying, number one, I don't necessarily trust this. And number two, they're looking at it and they're saying to themselves, okay, I'm going to go ahead and cherry pick every time. And if they're cherry picking, then it's not doing what you want it to do, right? So you're hurting everyone by having it in an order that's really not the order that your team members want to be in. And you'd be surprised if you sat down with loan officers and run it as a fun little exercise, take a screenshot of a priority view, put it up on the screen at a team meeting and just say, let's let's do a quick vote. There's 10 on here. Who thinks number one is actually the best one? Who thinks number two is the best one? Go through it and you'll probably find that most people in that room will agree just from looking at basic data on which is the best, which is the second best and so on and so forth. And once you get that type of basic agreement and you can put it into the system, adoption changes drastically. Yeah. It's an amazing point. And it actually brought up a point for me to, uh, as far as flagging of leads. And so one of the ways that you can optimize your priority view over time is you can allow your users to flag leads that they think are the best. And so you might say, hey, for the next two weeks, I want everyone, if you see, if you have a lead that you think is good, flag it. And then we could run an analysis to say, what do these leads look like? And we could build a scoring model around that, you know, that score of the lead and the ranking of the lead as it shows up, you know, because the way to use the score is you could sort the priority view, each of the prioritization cues by that lead score. So automatically, if you have this type of data or analysis to know what users think are good, or maybe you just have the data of funded loans that what's good, you can have your priority view sorted from top to bottom, from highest score down to lowest score. Uh, the other key point with this, Ben, in, you know, we're starting to use this more and more as we especially integrate with other third parties who have they're using emails or SMS, maybe that maybe doesn't go through Velocify is to use the customer engagement score or you know engagement on that lead record as part of that lead score itself. So for example, if we have a customer who has opened an email from us, we've sent an email and they've opened it. Number one, that's a great start. But let's say the next email we send them, not only open it, but they also click on the link in the email. Now we know they're engaged enough to know that they've received a second email from us. They've clicked on the email. They've engaged with our content. They know our process. They know us. We can now adjust that lead score such that it now becomes a higher priority. Maybe the lead itself, when we look at the data, wasn't all that good in the beginning. But now that they're engaged, now we know that that person should be a little higher in the list. And so we can use that engagement 
scored appropriately, we say an email opened in the last seven days is a score of this. An email opened today is a much higher score, clicked on, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe they've responded to an SMS. I mean, all of these data kind of points that the customer is you know, doing these things, we can use that data score and then do something different with it from a lead score perspective. The interesting part to me about the kind of knowing that an email was opened or you got a text message or something of that nature is, I mean, I, I mentioned I've been on both sides of this, right? I, I did implementations and I also was selling the Velocify solution. And it's funny how many things are wow factors in a sale that don't turn out that way as much in real life. And the email open notification is a great one, right? If I'm doing a demonstration of Velocify, I can show, look, a loan officer is working through their Velocify prioritize view. Suddenly, boom, they get a, a screen pop that says an email has been open. I go there, I make the call. It sounds great. But what happens in real life? In real life, what happens is they get the screen pop. They say, oh, email open, cool. Okay, but I'm doing something else right now, so ignore, and they move on. But now what? Now that's gone, yeah. which means if you're not prioritizing or ranking based off of an email being opened, such as in that scenario, if you're not doing that, you get one shot to take advantage of it and then it's gone. But if you're ranking it appropriately, you're prioritizing it appropriately based off of that email open information, even if you just ignore it, when you go back to your prioritize view, it's there at the top or number two or wherever you want it. That's real life scenario. Yeah, love it. All right, well, I'm still looking for other questions coming in. I'm gonna move on to the next topic real quick and we're gonna get to some of these questions. Quite a few coming in, so we'll jump into those in just a second. Let's talk a little bit about final lead dispositions. Right. We typically don't use the word disposition in Velocify. You know, usually it's status and actions, but ultimately, the, let's call it the final lead status. You know, there's a lot of companies right now that just use a simple does not qualify and not interested. And that's very basic. And they allow, you know, just a simple action of not interested. And the user goes and types in, they're not interested because of this, or they didn't qualify because of this. And they're just kind of leaving it in the notes. And anybody who's watching right now who's ever been in that marketing seat knows how difficult it is to read through those comments and determine what marketing path they should kind of remain in. Uh, and if you're not doing that today, as you continue to you know, optimize your lead flow, a lot of what you're going to need to be doing is setting customers up on the right nurture path. You don't want to have just a generic not interested path. I'd like to have a not interested because the rate was too high. I need to have rate specific maybe messaging or maybe it's someone who didn't qualify because of credit. Well, I want to have a, a series of credit emails that go out. Very difficult to do that when you're just relying on the actions in the action notes. Ben, want to talk a little bit about how we've solved for this in the past to get a customer on a specific path without, and the key thing is, without overwhelming the user with giving them all of these different things to choose from in their action dropdown, if you will. Yeah, and I actually wanted to start there is with the without part. When I was doing implementations, I said the same thing over and over again, which was, we don't want to over-engineer this thing. That's always what it turned into, no matter what, because every company wants to have the most detailed information that they can from their salespeople to know why things aren't going the way they want to go, but it can only be so much. I mean, personal experience, I'm from selling the Velocify system. When we were trying to make a sale and the lender didn't want to move forward, ideally, we put into our CRM why they didn't want to move forward. The question is, how many choices are there? How many different things do we need to fill out in order to do that? And the more that our CRM team and our operations team said, you need to fill out this, 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 and this, the more we have to fill out, the less we do it at all. Yep. Right? And that's always going to be true. So that was always one of the bigger challenges when setting up the actions is we want more, but not too many. Right. And trying to navigate around that is tough 
you then have to think about how many clicks does everything take? And there's this kind of delicate balance that we're always trying to achieve between we want to not have one giant list, but we also want to make sure that we don't have a million small lists. And you want to achieve that delicate balance as best as you can. So what we've done is we've said, let's try to kind of take the best of both worlds in the best way that we can. And the way that you can do this, and you may have seen something similar in other CRMs where you say someone is not interested and then you put in a not interested reason. And you see this in CRMs sometimes. We can replicate something just like that in the Velocify system what we call primary and secondary actions, right? And it allows us to, again, try to get the best of both worlds, where we'd be able to say, let's go ahead and just have a basic drop-down menu first. And then after you make that selection, then we go ahead and, and kind of piggyback off of that. It does require the team members to take, you know, a couple extra clicks here or there, but the trade-off is great in terms of not overwhelming them and getting the details we're looking for. Yeah, love it. You know, and I think that overall, you know, user adoption is great because you know one of the things that we've run into is a, a user who takes the first action, right, the primary action, but forgets or doesn't take the time to take the second action. And so there's ways to kind of manage to that, right? You could run a report and see that. That's probably not as recommended. But what we can also do is we can put that lead at the top of their priority queue that says, hey, user, you forgot to take your secondary action. Please take it, take action now. So it sits at the top of the queue and they just simply go in and say, oops, I forgot. And they go kind of send it off there. We've even done it in the ways where we send an email to somebody to letting them know that this happened, meaning that it's sat in the secondary kind of holding tank waiting for the secondary action for so long. So if you find that you're having issues with this, you could set it up to say, I want to send an email from that user who, who didn't take this process, send an email to their boss or to their boss's boss or VP of sales and let them know, hey, I forgot to do this. I'll you know, make, never, you know, make sure it never happens again. It's kind of a funny way to do it, but it actually works so well because the users start to learn that if I don't do what I'm supposed to do here, that's going to really help my company out long term, then I'm going to have an email sent for me and I'm going to you know, be called out on that essentially. And then last but not least, we can even set it up and have done this for a couple of clients where if they forget to do these small things that are important, we actually can turn off their ability to receive new leads. So what better way to get them to work and, and do follow the right step and doing it on time than to affect their pocketbook, turn off their ability to receive leads. And you'll be, I mean, you're probably not surprised, but the companies who do that have extremely high adoption rates of using this stuff. And as such, they have great customer experiences because they're getting immediately put into the right drip campaign as it relates to the not interested and those types of things as well. So I love this. All right. So I'm going to jump into, oh, looks like we got a little comment. Our friend Karis, great advice on prioritizing those who clicked on the CTA in the email. Karis, one of our, one of my favorite email experts over the years. So Karis, thanks for joining the show uh, today. All right. So Ben, anything else to add there? Do you want me to jump on to the next one? We'll get into questions. Yeah, let's keep moving. All right. So the next topic is, we're going to talk about the strategic and dynamic call cadence cadences while reaching, you know, reaching out to the borrower. Why don't we do this with other you know, stages, if you will? The thing about Velocify, you know, it's always been focused on getting the lead on the phone in the right, the right to make first contact. One contact is made. Typically, lenders would say, okay, I'm gonna have a different process for this, or maybe you know, they're going to essentially send the lead into the LOS and they're gonna try to manage it through these lists, whether it be an encompass or another LOS, and they got to to trust their people to follow the right strategy. Why don't you talk a little bit about how we have solved for this, where a user can now 
you know, call their contacted leads. It could be pre-qual leads, could be loans in the LOS. Talk a little bit about how we're doing that today with some creative functionality we've built. Yeah, so if I'm trying to think about who, who could be watching this right now, right? And in general, what I've found from talking to, to many lenders using Velocify is in general, you've got the kind of business people who don't necessarily know the ins and outs of Velocify, and that's okay. And then you have your kind of more Velocify administrators. And if you're on the kind of more the, the business side, then there's a chance that you've come to your Velocify administrator in the past or to someone and said, hey, you know what? What we want to do is we want to call pre-calls and we want to do the first call after this amount of time, the second call after this amount of time, the third call after this amount of time. Or maybe you said, we want to go ahead and call other leads that are in LOS and we want this strategy. And your Velocify administrator simply said, no, we can't do that. That's one, one possibility. The other possibility is you're a Velocify administrator and you know kind of more of the details to it. And the short version of the details is technically with the Velocify system, you could do some of this stuff where you might have a really strategic call, but the configurations and the maintenance are a nightmare. Like it's doable, but you end up with 20, 30, 40, 50 extra rules in order to get you where you want to be, where you can say, I want to make a different number of time between calls. What comes out of the box mostly is if you said, hey, I got pre-quals and I just want to call them once a week. You can do that. But if you say, once something becomes pre-qualified, I want to make my first phone call after three days. I want to make my next phone call after that, after a week, right? And you want it to be kind of dynamic and change. Out of the box, the, the Velocify system is just not made for that. You could do it, but again, it, it's a nightmare of configuration. So what we've done is we've said, well, maybe we can go ahead and keep track of the number of contact attempts that we're making in a given status without having to have a different status for it. Because that's the key. Having to have different statuses for all of these things and have all of these complex additional rules, that's the part you want to avoid. So what we've done is we've come up with a way where you can track the number of attempts you've made within that given status. So then you can do what you thought you couldn't do in, in a fairly straightforward way, which is to be able to come up with those dynamic, strategic approaches for follow-up, no matter where it is in the loan lifecycle. Yeah, and we call this contact attempts in the status. And for short, it's just kind of learned over time. I call it now CAITS, C-A-I-T-S, as a way just as a short acronym, because it's really long to say contact attempts in the status. But the key thing is, is that when that status changes to something else, we reset that number back to zero because we're really tracking the number of attempts while the lead's in that status. Now, there's ways people have tried this in the past. Total contact attempts just doesn't work because it's the total contact attempts the entire lead cycle, not just that particular status. So it really comes into play, as been mentioned, from a pre-qual standpoint. I have a lot of lenders now in, you know, uh, here at SDP that are trying to figure out purchase. And one of the key things we've always known with purchases, you've got to follow up and stay in touch with your pre-qualified borrowers. If you're not, there's a chance you're, the real estate agent they're working with might refer them to somebody else. If you can build that good relationship, always doing check-ins, we can now use that logic in conjunction with other logic, by the way, uh, as far as hot, medium, low, or lead scoring, or a number of things to help prioritize, but use the number of attempts that have been made so far, and when does that show up again? So it's a little unique way that we've done it. It's a creative, like I'll just tell you it's through a post and we'll, you know, we can talk more if you're interested, let us know. I can kind of walk you through, but it's really, really impactful as it relates to the other parts of the process, which unfortunately is that there are more parts of the mortgage process. It's not just getting them on the phone for that initial contact. So you need to have a good strategy all the way through. Real quick, before we do questions, I did want to make sure we covered this topic real quick. And that is the portfolio retention or current customer or call it previous customer 
topic. We've done this a little bit recently where we have customers who are being, you know, they're servicing their customers or they're, you know, as rates have been low, they're going back and wanting to call previous customers. But Velocify is not a CRM like a Salesforce where it can handle, you know, multiple, it's a very flat layer, the kind of record objects, whatever. So can you talk a little bit about what we've been doing there in this space as it relates to being able to handle a customer retention record versus the actual lead record itself? Yeah. So again, just to kind of get back to the to the issue at hand, I think back again to when working on the sales side, when talking to lenders about using Velocify, and quite often they would ask, how does Velocify compare to a complete CRM tool? And I would always say the same thing to them, which is Velocify has a flat data structure, meaning a lead is a lead. There's no concept of an opportunity or a contact or anything like that. And then they would say to me, okay, well, is that good or is that bad? Like, what's the reason? And I would say, well, just so you know, a Velocify implementation can take 60, 90 days, something of that nature, depending on what you're trying to do. A full CRM implementation takes a year, year and a half, two years. And there's a reason for that, right? Because there's so much added complexity in a CRM. So when you think about Velocify's data structure, the fact that it's flat is the good part but then can also sometimes be the bad part, right? It's good because it's just simple enough to allow you to get the system up and running quickly, to be nimble with Velocify, all those types of things. But the fact that it's flat makes it such that when you have new leads coming in, yes, you can use things like duplicate management when you have a second lead coming in, but what happens when it's appropriate to have two leads, right? Velocify's duplicate management basically is a yes or no. It says, is this a match for an existing lead or is it not? If it is a match, merge them together. If it's not a match, then it's just not a match. But what if they're related to each other? What then? And the answer is out of the box, Velocify doesn't have a concept of related to each other. And if there's no related to each other, then when you're doing things like trying to retain your customers, and maybe you had a refinance opportunity that, that fell through six months ago, and now you want to go ahead and make another effort, well, that new effort for that refinance, that's a new opportunity. You don't want to merge that with the existing customer record from when you funded that loan originally. You don't want to merge it with the previous opportunity. You want it to be its own thing, but you want them to be related. That's the part that does not come out of the box with Velocify. And what we've done is we've found a way to kind of force a relationship is the best way I think that I could say it. Yeah. And we do this through basically using a whole bunch of different Velocify functionality to create records that are intentionally separate, but have a reference to each other. And it allows you to then have a concept, at least the concept of a contact record and multiple opportunity records similar to a CRM. I don't know if you want to add to that a little bit. Well, yeah, and information changes. <clears throat> if you're servicing a customer, they might have originated a loan with a balance of 250000 but it's been three years and they paid that balance down to the, say, two twenty-five. right? You need to have, or your loan officers, in my opinion, need to have that information at their fingertips. It's no longer what was it then. They need to know what it is now. Maybe uh, escrow balance has changed, or maybe there's a, the escrow payments changed, or the payment that was set up originally isn't the case anymore. So what this also gives you the ability to do is you can update those records that are sitting there in this kind of holding tank status, update them so that when these leads are now created off of them in the future, it's being created with that right information. And mentioned the custom lead form view we've talked about. We can put that information directly into a custom lead form view on these records. So they always have the relevant current loan information at their fingertips when they're talking to the borrower, which makes them sound 
much more professional and will ultimately increase the chance of converting the lead record itself. So awesome. I'm going to move on. We have a lot of questions coming in and also a couple of shout outs real quick. So we got Jenny Dald, another one of my favorite email uh, people out there now with ProPair. Prequal follow-up is key as long uh, as well as longer term nurturing for purchase. So like we said, you have to have a detailed strategy. I think a lot of loan officers today are so used to that refinance kind of, I'm just going to come turn and burn to the next one. There's a nurturing path that needs to happen with these and that pre-qual follow-up part when that customer is out shopping for a home, especially if they're a first-time home buyer, is so key that you're building that relationship in this competitive market. And then, uh, yeah, Mike, it is definitely like a reunion here. We've got lots of our old school people in. It's great to see you guys joining and hope to see you guys at conferences coming up just like the good old days. So, all right. So now we're going to get some questions real quick. So let me pull those up real quick. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, Scott, I'm seeing one question here about refinance versus purchase. I'm not sure if you see that one to pull up. I think it's a good segue from Jenny's comment and the comment about Ellos being great at refinances. Yeah, that one right there, I think is a really good segue, right? Because yep. Jenny's talking about needing to adjust what follow-up looks like. As you see with the question right here, right, Melos, they're great at refinances, but purchase is coming in much more now. It's, it's necessary. We don't have all those refis just funneling in more than we can even handle. How can Velocify help with the fact that we need to be able to handle purchase better? And I know that it's been been over a year before I joined SDP. I know that you were were putting together this concept of kind of a purchase preparedness and taking really a bunch of the things that we've already talked about here and trying to, to take advantage of those together almost in, in a package to address purchase. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, call it a survey, right? The idea is that you should always be surveying your customers for where they're at in that process, where they're at in the buying process. So things like what's their time frame for buying? Right. And you give them a range to choose from. The loan officer could ask them this through part of that initial conversation and they choose that time. Let's say it's the next 60 days. And let's say, you know, are you a first time home buyer? Yes or no? You know, they choose that option. Or uh, is your, you know, are you, before you purchase a new home, is it contingent on selling your existing home? Yes or no? There's a lot of key things that will help you prioritize that lead accordingly down the road. And so from that purchase side, if you're asking all of these questions at every interaction point you have, whether it be a prequal follow-up, the initial conversation, what we set up in the background is a lead scoring logic. We say that if this criteria is met and this criteria is met, that's a plus five, this is a plus six. If they're you know, maybe not looking for something in the next year, that brings them down in the score. All of this stuff can be scored and then prioritized accordingly or distributed. Most of the time, you're going to just prioritize. You have a loan officer who's done a prequal. We want them to follow up on a strategy using the number of attempts they've kind of already made to this point in time and use that scoring metric. Maybe you have drip emails going out as well, where you're dripping them emails about prequals and stay on top of mind, these types of things. If they open the email and they've clicked on it, now that helps to score. But you're always asking these questions that are done in a custom lead form view, script form view, if you will, that are always asking these questions so that you can update that score in real time based on that customer situation that is changing. So again, all of these things we've been talking about kind of whittle itself down into a really good purchase strategy. And then, you know, some of my clients have said, I want to continue to have refinance, do refinances, and I also want to do purchases. And so some of them are looking at, do I have a dedicated purchase team versus a dedicated refinance team? And as such, all of these things become more important. I can't just have one lead form view that everyone sees the same thing. I want my purchase team to see the purchase related things. I want my refinance team to see the the refi related things. And then from a lead scoring perspective, you could have rules based on those different things as well. So as you're thinking through, am I going to dedicate people to do this and have them focused on this and be the experts at this? There are ways that we can build that 
in Velocify in your existing system that keeps them all kind of segregated in the right way so that you have what you need and you optimize your conversion rates there. All right, let's jump to the next question. Let's see here. Duplicate management is tough. What are the most common challenges and how do we overcome them? Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Duplicate management is definitely tough, but it's pretty impactful. Ben, what are some of your thoughts here? You've uh, recently came off a, a pretty intensive duplicate management journey with a client. What are some of your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this is another example of me talking to someone about using Velocify and they say, well, I've got some duplicates. What do I do? And I say, no problem. We have a duplicate checking tool. It'll merge together the things you want to merge and it addresses it for you. Check, right? But then you finally get in there and there's so many different scenarios to use the duplicate tool. It can definitely be hard to manage through unless you really know how all of the details work. When we talk to lenders, I can't tell you how often, you know, they'll come to us and they'll say, I have this specific issue, this specific issue. I want to optimize this. And then we'll say, what about duplicates? And they go, it's tough. I don't know. Like it's a lot of times we don't even get specific feedback. They just know that it's not doing exactly what they want it to. One gentleman that I spoke to today actually said that it almost felt like whack-a-mole, right? If you've ever played the game at the carnival, right? Where you try to hit one down and then the other one pops up and you hit that one down. That's what happens with the duplicate checking tool because things fall between the cracks with your rules. So then you create another rule to accommodate for it. But then that one takes over the other one and then the other one's not doing what you want it to do. And you just go back and forth. It can be difficult. The other fun thing about it is the duplicate management tool is used for multiple purposes that you don't necessarily think about as being different. There's a big difference between I got a new lead and I want to check to see if it has a duplicate versus when this tool is also used to say, we just got an online application and we think that online application might be for a borrower who we already have a lead for. So we intentionally want to tie those together. The concepts are completely different in terms of what it means to have a duplicate, but you're using the same tool. And being able to find your way through all of these settings, it's hard. And you really have to have examples and you have to do testing and you have to try different scenarios. And unless you've been using the Velocify system for years and years, most organizations need help. Yeah. And for those that are asking this question, Again, this is something we specialize in. With that experience, we're able to help you. So if you're interested in how we can help in this scenario, let us know. The other thing to mention as far as duplicate management, it's not just leads itself. It's now you might have you know, a loan in your LOS. It's currently being worked and a new lead comes in. Well, definitely a duplicate, right? But we need to notify that loan officer that there's a lead that just came in, right? So there's a value to these duplicate leads. A lot of times people say, a duplicate lead, I'm just going to throw it in the trash can. I don't want to deal with it. But there's a lot of value to this. And if we can then notify that person, who, let's say it's a loan in a application or credit pool status, they haven't moved forward yet. But now they've gone to another lead source and they've applied through another lead source and the lead hits the system. Well, we already have this loan. We don't want to give it to another loan officer, but we want to notify them. And we can do that through duplicate management by taking an action on the existing lead that says, hey, loan officer that had the credit pool, this customer just applied again through this lead source. You should probably call them and get back on the phone because they're you know, shopping you around. These types of things can be really important from a duplicate management standpoint. And it's really not that hard to set this kind of stuff up. So if you're interested in learning more, we definitely help you with that type of thing. Anything to add there, Ben? Yeah, I'd say on a similar note, you know, Scott talked about a duplicate not just being something that you say, oh, I know it's a dupe, so let me ignore it. Quite often, you're going to have, let's say, real-time web leads where you've made a third, fourth, fifth attempt, and it's sitting. And now another lead comes in from that same person. Well, what you want to do is you want to merge them together, but you want to do what we call refresh the lead, right? You want to start your strategy over again. You don't want to just push it aside and say, okay, we were up to our fifth attempt. Now we're going to make a sixth attempt. You want to refresh it. You want to start from the beginning 
but you don't want to lose those notes. Yeah. And what I just said about losing the notes, if that resonates with you, that's when you want to make sure you reach out to us and have some conversations because I can't tell you how many times we talk to lenders and they say, hey, we've got the duplicate thing working pretty well, but we keep losing the history of things. It's just kind of the best we can do. It's not the best you can do. There are other ways to handle it. Again, we can help with that. Yep, absolutely. All right, I'm looking for more questions or comments. Looks like we have one here. I'll often here, what happens if I use Shotgun Connect and nobody picks up, then what? What options do we have? You want to talk about that one? Yeah, this is one of my favorite things about the Velocify solution is the, the flexibility of it, right? The reason this question comes in is because there is an assumption that there is a way that it works. When in reality, there's all of these different kind of tools that you've got in your Velocify tool belt. For those who might not be as familiar, the Shotgun Connect tool, when we're talking about that, what it means is Shotgun Connect, that's when we notify multiple team members at the same time for these real-time lead opportunities. What we do here is if we have that screen pop or we ring multiple loan officers and no one answers the phone, you have multiple options. You can ring them again. You can screen pop again. You can push it out to a loan officer and have them make a call. You can go to an LOA. If you have a screener type of team, maybe now it goes to the screener team instead. I love this question. It's a good example of all of the different tools in that Velocify tool belt and how it's really up to you on how you want to use them. And of course, we can make some best practices recommendations on how you want to do that. Yeah, you know, like the missed appointment stuff. I think we've talked a little bit about that along the way where, or, or, or sorry, missed transfer. So if you have people calling your lead records and you try to transfer to them to somebody and Shotgun Connect is unsuccessful, we can then use some special logic we built that you know kind of creates a call queue. Think of American Airlines where you call and they say, hey, we have a, a long wait time. The wait time is approximately 15 minutes. We can have someone call you back. You won't lose your place in line. We can start to use even those scenarios as well as it relates to you know how do we transfer that app to somebody and get that customer back in the queue so we're calling them back as soon as someone becomes available. So if you're interested in learning more, let us know that as well. All right, last question. We're going to wrap it up today for our first one. Let's see. We have most of our team as administrator. I hear this is bad. Yes. Can you talk about why? Uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I'll let you know. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. The, the, if someone's asking why it's bad, it means that they're lucky that they haven't run into the bad part of it yet. Right. I think we all know that in any kind of CRM or lead management tool, you only want the administrators to be the ones who need to be administrators. But if you've asked this question or you've thought about it, it's because you've run into a scenario where you need team members to be able to see leads beyond what they themselves own. And because of the fact that Velocify has different terminology that people don't necessarily know what it means, like power user, what is that manager? How does that work? They look at it and a lender says, oh, I've got users and I've got administrators. Well, I've given someone the user role and they can't do enough. So let me give them the administrator role. And that's how you end up in this boat. Of course, it's not a safe place to be because you never know what one of your loan officers or one of your salespeople might do in terms of changing configuration. So you do need to be careful. I think one of the more underutilized parts of Velocify is creating custom roles and customizing those roles. In fact, if I take it back to my Leads 360 days, the, uh, the roles page in Velocify used to not be readily accessible to lenders. I don't know, Scott, if you remember, but um, when you needed a change to your role, I actually had to do it for you back in the day. But we've made that, uh, or Velocify has made that more readily available. It's good to use. You do need to be very careful how you use it. Again, something we can definitely help you with. Absolutely, yeah. Definitely want to test, you know, on this type of stuff as you're changing these roles. The other thing it does have as well is a change log. So if you can see permissions have changed over time, it's one of the, the main parts of the system that we can actually see the change logs of those rules and, and, and such. Now, 
Uh, there's also some more logging. If you guys don't know about, there's ways to see changes to distribution programs and prioritization programs. There's even the way, and if you're interested in learning more, let us know. There's now the ability for you to be able to see on a shotgun call that went out to somebody. And I'm kind of doing a little rant here, different from this topic, but this comes up all the time. I deliver a shotgun call to, there's a shotgun call that comes in ready to go out and no one took it. Why? What happened? Something's broken. Well, we now have the ability and we can help you figure out how to do this essentially where you can say, we notified these 10 people and all of them ignored it. Or these people didn't, you know, weren't looking at Velocify at the time, or these people rang their phone and they didn't answer. We now have that visibility down on a lead level that can help you determine is something broken? And if it's not, what user adoption issues you're having with the technology? So yes, we have lots of change logs that maybe weren't available in the past, but it can really be impactful for your business. If you're interested, let us know. All right. That's a good segue into how do you let us know if you need help? And so, you know, one of the things that uh, we have is a website. You can go to the website, learn more about that, but you also, there's the ability to send questions in. You can also email us whenever you have time. It's scott at sdp-solutions.com and also ben at sdp-solutions.com. So nice and easy, Scott and Ben. If you guys have any questions after this, feel free to reach out. Happy to help those in the community out. All right, Ben, anything else? As we wrap up our first, we called it a battle of lead management masterminds. We didn't battle. We really just kind of talked through different strategies. We probably could have been more mean to one another, but you know, we've known each other for 10 years. No need to be mean today. Anything to add as we wrap up today? No, it's been fun. I feel like there's an unlimited number of topics. Uh, I look forward to doing this again. Yeah, thanks everybody for the comments that have joined us today. We'll be doing another one of these soon. We will have special guests. Hector was scheduled to be on with us today. Unfortunately, couldn't make the episode, but we'll get someone else on ready to go. Until next time, thanks everybody for joining. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Lead Management Masterminds podcast. Today's episode is presented by SDP Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things lead management strategy and optimization. Please visit us at www.sdp-solutions.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast site.